your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 336 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And the first sniff of free agency has been detected. Dougie Hamilton is allowed to speak to other teams. The Carolina Hurricanes and J.P. Barry, the agent for the star defenseman, have agreed that it's time for him to sense the market. Now, we'll tell you what reasoning is behind that. It could end up that he goes back to Carolina still, but we'll dive into that with Pillsy. We also had our first NHL Stanley Cup semifinal game, and it was the most Islanders game it could have been. They pull out the 2-1 victory over Tampa Bay. We'll recap that and preview the Western... Eastern, Northeastern, the other semifinal, Montreal and Vegas. They begin their acquaintance tonight. The first time that a Canadian team plays in America in a very long time. So all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Monday, June 14th, and Pilsy, if he wasn't already, Dougie Hamilton has firmly entrenched his spot as the number one target on my Senators offseason wish list. Ross, you're probably not alone on that. Dougie Hamilton is likely the number one target on a lot of teams' wish list. I mean, I, I think it's pretty fair to say he's one of the, if not the best right-hand shot offensive defensemen in the league. Can we say he's the best defenseman who has not been nominated for a Norris? <laughs> I feel like we're, we just keep sliding the filters over to get, but no, he's unbelievable. And he provides offense over and over and over again. He might be the best goal scoring defenseman over the last number of years. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Like, like remember Mike Green in his prime, like yeah. putting up 20 goals a year? Dougie Hampton doesn't quite put up 20 goals a year, but the amount of shots that he gets, and he's always in the high teens in goals. And just the fact that when he's on the ice, it's more likely than not that he's generating offense as a defenseman rather than trying to fend off other opponents from attacking because he's just so good with the puck and he's able to get that puck through sticks, through skates, through bodies and get it on the net. And like combine a guy like Doug, Dougie Hamilton with a net front presence like Brady Kachuk and those two could create a lot of damage together because whether that shot's getting through or not, it's heading to the net and at the net is Brady Kachuk who's ready to do something with it. Since the start of the 2015-16 season, so I'm going back six years, Dougie Hamilton has the second most goals among defensemen, only behind Brent Burns, five more than Roman Yossi, six more than Shea Weber. And he's a guy who, you mentioned shots on goal. In that same time frame, he's still only behind Brent Burns and Roman Yossi. This guy puts pucks on net. He's a six-foot-six defenseman. So when you talk about his offense, the part of his game that doesn't get much shine is how well he keeps plays to the outside defensively. He's got great body position and his stick control can knock pucks off of opponents' blades right, right anytime to negate a rush. So I think that he is the crown jewel of this entire 
free agent class for defense. Maybe, I mean, Ovechkin, of course, but it seems all likelihood he will return to the Washington Capitals. Now, why is this a story today, Pilsy? The Carolina Hurricanes and agent J.P. Barry are going to look at the avenue of what other teams are offering. Because the contract runs until June 30th, but the part of this that works for the team is if they find a fit, then they can orchestrate a sign and trade. Now, not only does that give them an asset, but the other team would then be able to sign Dougie Hamilton to an eight-year contract versus the seven that you'd get in free agency. And hey, an extra year of Dougie Hamilton is a massive boost for a team trying to acquire him, especially when you look at like this guy, he's 27 years old. And so an eight year deal would take him into his mid thirties and you'd probably get good value, better value than you would if you waited until he's a free agent and then had to pay the free agent premium of him commanding whatever the highest bidder will offer him. Whereas if you do the sign and trade option, I think it's a win-win. It's it's a win for the Carolina Hurricanes. Like you say, they get an asset. It's a win for the team acquiring him. They get another year possibly on that long-term deal if that's the route they're going. And Dougie Hamilton, he's going to have probably a little bit more control over where he wants to go if it's a sign-and-trade situation because he can say, well, this seems interested in me, but they're not going to trade for me unless I'm signed. And I'm not going to sign because I don't want to go there. Or I will sign because I do want to go there. So I think that's the proper route for everyone involved in this. And if, if it's a sign and trade scenario and Dougie Hamilton likes what he sees and likes the dollar amount and term that the Sens are able to offer, this is actually something that I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring you down from the heavens, Ross. And I think this actually could be a possibility. Now, is it likely? Probably not. I'm still not on that train yet, but it's definitely more likely now that it's quite clear that sign and trade is possible. Yeah, I'm looking at Dougie Hamilton as a guy who, of course, slots in on any team's top pair. But don't get carried away by the value of the return. We've seen players be traded and sign in trades. Most recently, Kevin Hayes going to the Philadelphia Flyers after his short stint with the Winnipeg Jets. But it was only a fifth-round pick that went back the other way. There's not a whole ton of value in that. The other side of this is if Dougie Hamilton and his representatives go out and there isn't the type of, not interest, but the type of money that will persuade him to leave Carolina, then it works out for the team being like, hey, the grass isn't always greener. Go take your take your peek. And if not, I'm sure the door's open for him to return to rally. Now, my only question, does it concern you at all that this would be his fourth team and that he's never stayed more than three seasons in a single spot? Well, I did notice that looking at his hockey DB, it's three years in Boston, three years in Calgary, three years in Carolina. So he's all but done. The writing is on the wall. He's done in Carolina. But I don't really think that's through fault of his own. Like the Bruins were looking to go a different direction, I think. And they they thought that they they didn't need him anymore. And then Calgary, it was just clear it wasn't working out there. Like, I don't know what was going on in the locker room or what have you, but it, clearly heard, it wasn't a I heard, fit. I heard a rumor that, he, his brother was kind of a, a tweener, AHL and NHL, and he wasn't happy that he got sent down at the end of training camp and didn't get an opportunity in the NHL. I don't know how true that is, but uh, there definitely was some things off ice in Calgary that led to his departure to Carolina. Yeah, and, and it was clear that, yeah, it just wasn't working there. And in Carolina, it seemed to really be working. And I think 
if you probably, and I'm just speculating here, if you ask Dougie, I bet his number one preference would be to stay in Carolina. I think he likes it there. I think he's he sees firsthand what they're building. And yeah. if you quickly go over to the cap friendly page, Ross, this team, like they've set up their cap structure so good. The only hole that I can see is they overpaid free agent Jake Gardner big time, and he's not worth that contract anymore. He's got two more seasons at just over $4 million. So I'm sure maybe they're going to try to move that salary somehow. And they're still paying Alexander Simmons, uh buyout wow. from God knows how long ago. There's $2 million left on that this season. But other than that, they have a lot of room for some flexibility. None of their goalies are signed next year. That's that's a little bit concerning for me because they're going to have to figure that out. But obviously, Nadelkovich is going to be back. We'll see if Peter Morazic ends up in Seattle or if they bring him back. But other than that, like their contract situation is really good. So, I mean, if there's anybody you try to squeeze and move things around to make it work, it's Dougie Hamilton. So if he wants to be there, they're going to do their best to keep him there. But you got to weigh all your options if you're the GM. So open open for business like if you're interested in the sign and trade for Dougie give them a call and they'll see what's happening but I wouldn't be surprised if what happens here is none of the offers seem good enough and Dougie Hamilton ends up staying in Carolina what would you think of the Sens paying that kind of premium for a defenseman at this stage of the rebuild we know they have talented young defensemen coming up but we also know that defensemen take a few extra years to develop is this the right stage of the rebuild to be going out and throwing what seems like big money what do you think he's making eight by eight on a next contract something like that that's a that's a pretty hefty chunk of your salary cap and when you're looking at the sends a team who's built around a culture right now i don't know if you want to throw that off for a guy who's coming in from a different situation and who knows how it switches up the voodoo or maybe i'm just once bitten twice shy when it comes to how matthew shane and the demise of the Ottawa Senators after he was acquired. Yeah, and that's fair. And you do need to be weary of that. Like, why why hasn't it worked that Dougie Hamilton, an amazing, young, right-shot offensive defenseman, teams can't seem to want to hold on to him? Like, like you said, he's already moved around a couple times. Now, if it was anyone other than Dougie Hamilton, I think I would have questions too. But the skill that this guy has on the ice, like, you don't, you don't find right-hand shot defensemen his age available like it's it doesn't happen very often so this is kind of a once in a lifetime move for a franchise to go out and acquire a guy if the Sens may like you guys know I'm not ready to say the Sens need to go all in this season because I want to see one more season of growth and development from the young kids but if this is the time you have to acquire Dougie Hamilton and you can lock him up then you do it now you do it yesterday you do it last year if it was possible and you can get it done right so I think I wouldn't be too worried about getting it done because all the things and yeah, like you said, he also has the size, like how many, how often do offensive defensemen excel at getting the puck on net while having that big size? I mean, you mentioned Brent Burns, that's obviously one case, but there's not a lot of cases of that. So for me, if they decided Dougie Hamilton could possibly end up in Ottawa, then you got to do it. Three times in his career, he's had over 220 shots on goal in a season, but then in 2019-20, he only played 47 games and had 170 shots on goal. This guy generates offense all the time. Seven of his nine years in the National Hockey League, he has double digits in goals from the back end. This guy is a unicorn type. Like You don't see players that are built like him and that possess the offensive ability. Like The only guy in his comparison would really be Brent Burns, another right shot 
big defenseman. And hell, he played forward for a bunch of time because he was just so malaligned as a defenseman there, you thought. But he figured out Riverboat Gambler for sure. I'd say Dougie Hamilton is less of a risk taker than Brent Burns. But, man, plus 50 in the last two years. I know plus minus, say what you want about it, but that is a staggering statistic for me. And especially when you consider he's plus 50 and he's only played in 103 games. So that's every other game. He's on the ice for more goals at five on five than he is against his uh, possession metrics. Everything checks out. The only thing is the feng shui that if I'm the sense, I I don't know if I want to mess with it, but also we could just be talking about this for nothing because he could stay in Carolina or he could go to any of the other 31 teams because I'm sure the Kraken would love to have him in Seattle. And it just, it's going to be a pick of the letter for a guy like Dougie Hamilton. And we're going to have to rely on our seven national museums in Ottawa to try to get this done. That might have been a part of the reason, right? I think that some of the words coming out of the Calgary locker room, he didn't want to go to the, the bars with the guys. He, he's more of a cerebral type dude. So I don't, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, good thing. It's just, it's just kind of one of those things where his personality didn't jive with the group in Calgary. So if you're Ottawa like that, that's something where you look at the past of not, not only him, but the team as well. And makes you kind of do a double look, but Hey, whatever happens with Dougie Hamilton, he's, he's a hell of a player for sure. Yeah. And I, and I think as far as like the team's culture goes, like this is still a young growing team that's growing with culture. Like I think if you put Dougie Hamilton in a situation where there's already a, a set culture and there's a lot of veterans in the room then yeah maybe he doesn't uh he doesn't transition as easily but i just think with the energy that this young team provides that a guy like him could come in and feel comfortable okay i'll pose it to you this way there's two defensemen in this ufa class that i'm very interested in of course dougie hamilton we've just spoken in nauseam about him but alec martinez as well who's a left shot but can play both sides who would you rather, Dougie Hamilton on a seven-year contract at $8.5 million per season or Alec Martinez on a two-year contract at $5 million per season? Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, it doesn't worry you the, the long term. You almost see that as a benefit. Yeah, I almost see that as a benefit. And and like I said, no disrespect to Alec Martinez because like we said on this podcast, I'm interested in that as well. But you're kind of comparing apples to oranges at this point. Like you're comparing a steady guy who like, let's not take away his Stanley cup experience. That's incredible. He still can get it done. He can play both sides of the ice. That's very versatile, but what Dougie Hamilton provides, you cannot find elsewhere. Like you, you can find an Alec Martinez elsewhere. It may not be easy, but you you could do it. Or you could wait until one of your prospects grows into that, but you cannot find Dougie Hamilton elsewhere. And if you have the opportunity, you got to pull that trigger. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. The free agency period opens July 28th, a week after the National Hockey League draft on July 23rd and 24th. Previews coming up on Locked On Senators. We're going to get back to our draft profile. The Elite Prospects Draft Guide is en route this week. So once we have that, we're going to figure out the completion of our rankings. And then the profiles will begin all the way from 75 up to number one, which will be unveiled the day before the draft. And then we'll have our final mock draft on July 23rd. So make sure you're locked on senators, wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media as well. Locked on dot senators on Instagram or send central on Twitter. Okay. Pilsy's new sponsor alert credit karma. 
Credit Karma has always been there to help you make a better financial decision. And now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Who doesn't want instant gratification? If you're looking for satisfaction, there's no need to wait. With Credit Karma money, you could win cash reimbursements for debit purchases. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements just for spending money. When you use your Credit Karma money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items for up to $5,000. Just pay with your credit card and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot. Instant karma cash will be added to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away $3 million of instant karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. That's right. It's free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free. Yes, free again withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Credit Karma Money progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Karma Credit. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVM Bank Incorporated member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits do apply. All right, Pilsy, the Stanley Cup semifinals are underway. And, well, the Islanders did exactly what Barry Trotz would have loved to see. Absolutely no rush chances for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mike Kelly pointed that out. He's a guest on our show. Great analytics guy with Sport Logic and NHL Network. That, to me, was the defining stat because we've seen the Tampa Bay Lightning run and gun all playoffs long, but the Islanders, pesky as ever, just shut them down. 2-1 the final score. What were your main takeaways from that game, Pills? Yeah, that was an absolute grade-A shutdown job. And you highlighted the Islanders' defense in our series preview and uh, made you look pretty good there. So you got to love that. And what I found, uh, I, I caught the condensed game. I was on the way for home from the cottage uh, on that afternoon, so I didn't get to see the whole game. But in the condensed game, what I kept noticing is – Tampa was forcing these passes like they were they were desperate to get an odd man rush because they just couldn't and they're forcing these passes and the Islanders do such a good job of anticipating them and getting sticks in the lane and actually the Islanders created their offensive chances from turnovers from Tampa trying to create an offensive chance and they got the puck the other way and it worked out in their benefit like that Barzell goal. Great job turning that puck over at the blue line and then hitting Barzell in stride as he's heading the other way. So that's an excellent job of negating a rush and right away creating your own rush. So that's something that the Islanders do so well is they'll wait for their opponents to make a mistake and then they'll pounce. And that's just what they did. It was Matthew Barzell coming up clutch with the opening goal and you knew it was going to take a while to get there if the Islanders were going to have their way. If Tampa Bay had scored in the first period, this this all bets are off. But Matthew Barzell he started the playoffs pretty slow, just three assists in the first round, and then six points in six games in the second round against Boston, and now he's continuing that pace. And then, of course, the Islanders are going to get offense from their back end. Why not? Because I had to single them out, and I got a lot of heat that they had more depth 
than the Tampa Bay back end. Oh, but Sergachev and David Savard are on the third pair in Tampa. Well, Ryan Pollock and Adam Pellick will shut down anybody in the league. I know they don't use their 5-6 defensemen as much as Tampa, but they use them in spots where they're going to succeed. Like Noah Dobson played just 12 and a half minutes in this game, but I look at what they do as a unit. It's so impressive. Like nobody's over 23 minutes and that's Adam Pellick who was rewarded with four hits, two blocks. And then his partner gets what ends up being the game winning goal. So at that point, are you thinking, all right, this is an Islander shutdown or was it even earlier or, when Tampa made a one-goal game with less than a minute left, did you think we were going to get some fireworks? I thought we were getting fireworks, Ross. I'll, I'll be honest. I really thought uh, I was watching along on my phone and a live bet, the Lightning, hoping that they would get a chance to Come squeak on. one through. Man, I saw they had a power play and an empty net. Like, that was looking good, and uh, they just couldn't get it done. That Islanders team can just suffocate offenses, especially an offense as good as the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, great job by the Islanders winning game one. I don't think this series is uh, even close to over, or I don't even think game one means that much. I think Tampa Bay is going to come back. And like for the Islanders to get two goals on Andre Vasilevsky, that doesn't happen a lot. So if the Tampa Bay Lightning can figure out a way to squeak a couple goals through Varlamov, then they can definitely make their way back in this series. And I think Tampa is one of those teams that's a bounce back team. Like when they lose a game, that locker room gets together and they figure it out. So I have Tampa winning game two. Two stats that jump off the page to me. One, the giveaways. The Islanders had one giveaway in this entire game. One, they manage the puck so well. They move as a unit out of their zone. They protect each other. They give each other great outlet passes. One giveaway, Pelsey. Like, that's unreal. Tampa Bay had seven. Sergachev had three of those. Well, there you go. Triple what the entire Islanders team had. They each tied 31-31 in shots. But the other part, not only were they not giving the puck away, but they weren't taking bad penalties. And you can't do that against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sure, they went 50% on the power play, one for two. Although, with under a minute left in the game, you'd rather that than in the opening minute of the game to let the Tampa Bay power play go to work, which is ranked number one, by the way, in the postseason, clicking at 42%. Over 12 games. That's absolutely absurd. But the Islanders are disciplined and they're going to have to stay that way to get a chance to win. Now, Pilsy, I was locked into this game for most of it. And one thing I'll say, I know it's a full burn. That Tampa building just didn't have the same bite that the Nassau Coliseum has. So Islanders have already stolen one on the road. If they win the second one on the road, then I'm starting to say, whoo. Book your ticket to the Stanley Cup Finals. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm with you. If they win this second game and then head back to New York, then the Tampa Bay Lightning are in trouble. Maybe just all the Tampa Bay fans are just had some sunstroke or something from a nice hot weekend and they don't have the energy. Quiet. Yeah, that's that's tough. You don't want a quiet building up against the Islanders, especially because, like, especially in a tight game, like you need you need the crowd momentum to give you a big push on a power play, like you said. So. That's that's tough if you're Tampa Bay crowd, and hopefully they they hear the message and they they ramp things up here because this is playoff hockey. It's it's semifinals. Like you're trying to get a you're trying to go back to back with cup wins. You can't be quiet in game one of the semifinals. Yep, I agree with that. So we'll see how this game this series continues on. It was uh, I don't want to call it boring, and anyone who calls the Islanders boring, it's a bit hypocritical after loving the uh, 2017 sense. What it is is successful. And it's detailed. So 
You won't get as many backdoor chances. You won't get as many end-to-end rushes. So be it. It's super impressive how Barry Trotz has this entire team on the same page. Their fourth line, Pilsy, like Cal Clutterbuck played 15 and a half minutes in this game. They're all, nobody plays over 20 and nobody plays under 10 on the Islanders forward group. So just that ability to roll all four lines is such an advantage coming up later on in the postseason. Whereas Pilsy, what's going on with Steven Stamkos? Should we be talking about Steven Stamkos coming to Ottawa? No chance. He got a full no movement clause, not happening, but he's only played. 15 and a half minutes yesterday and two and a half was on the power play. This guy's playing like 12 minutes a game at even strength. Yeah, that is concerning. And Hey, you got, you got to start looking at the miles on Steven Stamkos, like sure. And he, the and injuries he, and the injuries. That's the thing. Like those add up for sure. So maybe classic playoffs, like he's probably dealing with something we don't know. And they're like, well, let's just try to work through it here. And yeah, you talk about the fourth line getting so much ice time. Well, what that does is that's a double win if you're a coach, because a, if you're rolling all four lines, it holds accountability. Like everybody's accountable. Like it's not like a fourth line guy is only playing one or two shifts and it's just like, ah, chip it off the glass and uh, pat on the back. Great job. We'll, We'll get you out there for one shift next period. That's not what it's like. It's like you're going in the battle it multiple times like you need to be responsible and you're being held accountable every shift so i think that bonds a team because no one is a, is a high man or a low man they're all even and then it also keeps your legs fresh you don't got to worry about a guy one of your star players like uh steven samkos is in tampa bay you don't have to worry about them running out of gas because they've had proper and i hate to use this word but load management and that's not a load management as in like okay he's getting tired let's not play him it's we're confident in all our guys. We don't need to overload Pajot or Barzell or any of these guys because we can get some relief from them with the other line. So I think that's such a key to success to have deep playoff runs. Yeah, well, the game two for that series goes tomorrow. We have game one tonight of the Vegas Golden Knights and Montreal Canadiens. We'll discuss that soon. But I'm seeing a lot of discourse on Twitter about how Dougie Hamilton is not the right guy. For the Ottawa Senators, I, I don't know how you can come to that conclusion. One one uh, account even mentioning getting rid of Zaitsev would help the decor more than adding Dougie Hamilton. Like I just don't understand how you can watch the Sens decor and say we need to take away the most experienced player that we have. Like yes, it's great having kids in the lineup. Although I do believe JBD starts in Belleville next season. I don't know how you can say that. Like Dougie Hamilton, whatever team he's going to. He's going to help them out. Now, I've seen other people compare it to Tavaresing themselves, right? You give this guy a ton of money, then it's going to be hard to keep your own guys because of that. Only difference is the Leafs already had Kadri in the second center position. The Senators need a number one right-hand defenseman more than anything in their entire roster right now. Is, is that fair to say? Like, Is that the number one need more so than a top six center? I would say so. I think maybe you could argue goaltending. It's a little shaky and we don't have a clear number one, but like realistically on paper, you should have a number one goalie in Matt Murray. You paid for one. Exactly. That's what I mean. On paper, you've got one, but on paper, you don't have a top right-hand shot defenseman. And no disrespect to Zub Nation, by the way, who stood up tall and we ratioed Sportsnet by a ton. They asked for their North Division all-star team. They had 120 likes on that. We tweeted Zub and got 150. It's just Sens fans love Artem Zub, but yes, to your point, he's a nice second pair right shot deep. 
Yeah, exactly. Zub Nation stands up when they got it. We love Zub, but yeah, he's he's not there yet, and that's fine. And the thing is, yeah, like I said, you can't acquire a guy like Dougie Hamilton. It doesn't happen very often. You're on the right track there. You these players don't come available, and you, when they do, you have to trade Josh Norris, uh, a third overall pick, Dylan Demello, and Chris Tierney for them, and Mad Sogard as well. Like you have to. I'm a little tongue-in-cheek. Of course, Eric Carlson's a Hall of Fame defenseman. But Dougie Hamilton offensively is like in that second tier right behind him. So I, I can't understand people saying you, you don't want him on your team. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Ross. This is We used to be making sense of the sense, but uh, I'm not going to be able to make sense of that one. I pulled up, by the way, before I move on from the Tampa Islanders series, I mentioned how the ice time is so evenly distributed among forwards. Meanwhile, Tampa Bay's entire fourth line, Tyler Johnson, who's making six million bucks, Pat Maroon, and Ross Colton, all under 10 minutes. So that puts a lot of pressure on your big guns to play big minutes. So that's just something to keep in mind as this series progresses. How fresh will the Islanders be in comparison to Tampa, who's running their stars into the ground. Like Nikita Kucherov, yeah, he's unbelievable, and he's playing well. He's dashed two, though, yesterday. He's the, he didn't play all year, so you got to think at some point the gears are going to slow down. The reason why I really jumped on the Islanders' bandwagon pills, I saw a highlight from last season of Kucherov chasing down Pajot, who was going for an empty net, and he just started two-handing him on the arm. And I was like, that is so greasy. I cannot cheer for that at all especially against our pager yeah that's super greasy and i, I don't want to don't get it twisted i'm not cheering for the tampa bay lightning i just i i've made the the stand that i will bet against the islanders so i gotta stick to that i'm doubling down on that so i'm still against the islanders but yeah i'm, I'm not a huge fan of the lightning and let's mix it up i don't want teams going back-to-back championships Fair enough. One thing that I'll double down, I'll triple down on is my love for Built Bars. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bars come in 16 amazing flavors as well, and you can see them all at BuiltBar.com. They're 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are great for the health-conscious guy or gal. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars, they have a nutritional grand slam. I'm talking low-calorie, got it. Low sugar, of course, high protein and high fiber. Everything you want in a protein bar, but it tastes like a candy bar. Pillsy, tell these good people where they can find Built Bars and your pick of the day. Well, first, to answer your first question, to find Built Bars, you got to head to BuiltBar.com. Head there right now. they got a great website profiling all the flavors. I love the peanut butter brownie flavor, Ross. I got a whole box of them. I didn't even do the mix box because I was like, peanut butter brownie is awesome, and that's my flavor. I brought them to the cottage with me. You guys always know I'm talking about getting outside with your Built Bars. Put one in my pocket on a kayak ride. I was on the water watching the sunset, a nice Built Bar doesn't get much better than that and if you want to enjoy that head to builtbar.com right now and check out peanut butter brownie whoa go to builtbar.com and see all the great flavors as we mentioned mix box is the way to go you get all of built bars variety and you can pick a different flavor every day builtbar.com it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and when you go there use our promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. 
And after you're done enjoying that Bilt Bar, let's get a little more action this time. Get some action on betting on live sports. It's playoff time. It's we're in the thick of it here. There's only two rounds left. Maybe you got some some insider information on who you think is going to win the cup, who you think is going to win the series, who you think is going to win next game. Well, you can do all that at betonline.ag. They are the exclusive partner of the Locked On Podcast Network, and they're the only one place that has you covered and the one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Get into the action, get off the sidelines, and we're going to hook you up. You know, as partners of the Locked On Senators podcast, they got a promo code for you. So head to betonline.ag, sign up today for a free account, and use a promo code Locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. To put it into simple terms, you put a hundred bucks into your betonline.ag account and you're going to get $50 in free play. Now you got free play. If you want to earn that money, you got to win it. So how are you going to win it? Might I suggest heading over to Pillsy's playoff parlay of the day. Now we've had some time off from the playoff parlay of the day. There was a couple nights without hockey on. That was crazy, but now we're back it's Monday, the first game of the not conference finals, Ross. I almost said conference finals, <laughs> semifinals between Montreal Canadiens and Vegas Golden Knights. I think you guys know where I'm going with this. I, I talked about it before. Vegas is going to absolutely pounce on this Montreal Canadiens team that has been waiting and waiting after sweeping the Jets. So I'm hitting Vegas money line minus 262. I don't love those odds, but. It's a parlay, so I'm going to combine that with the over of five and a half at plus 119. Vegas is going to score so many goals, it's going to make Carey Price's head spin. So the over of five and a half, Vegas Golden Knights money line, put 10 bucks in, you're going to win $20.26. That is Pillsy's playoff parlay of the day. Guys, go to betonline.ag today. Use promo code Locked On to receive your 50% welcome bonus and get off the sidelines and get into the action. BetOnline.ag. All right, Pilsy, let's wrap up with a preview of tonight's game. The Montreal Canadiens are in America, I'm thinking, as a team for the first time since March 2020. Wow, true. Yeah, that's a long time to wait. They've arrived on the strip. The guys are there. What are you expecting? outside of goals, 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 according to your parlay of the day. Yeah, I'm expecting a lot of goals. I'm expecting Vegas to to come in hot. I bet they're going to score a goal within the first five minutes, and then things are going to get reeling. That barn, I've said it, is going to go off the hinges when they start beating up on this North Division team. And look, Carey Price is going to have to stand on his head once again if they're going to have any chance here. I just think this offense is too much to match, and Pacioretty, I think there is going to be a little salt in the wound. I think I was trying to he dilute. He said no. Yeah, but that's what you're going to say. That's mm-hmm. what you're going to say. I, I was trying to dilute it. I didn't think it's that big of a deal, but I think I think it is because, man, that's a tough place to be a captain in a city in Montreal when you're just getting dumped on all the time. Whenever you lose, it's your fault, and when you win, it's Carey Price's uh, doing, right? That must have been hard as Pacioretty. So I think he's going to have a little salt in the wound. Maybe we don't see it as much in Vegas, but when he goes back to Montreal, I think we're going to see it. Yeah, once he gets into his familiar or oldly familiar confines how can you not have that nostalgia kick in and again he hasn't even been in canada in in so long either outside of the bubble uh in toronto last year or no vegas was out in edmonton 
for, for that. So you look at this series has a lot of interesting storylines. You likely have the two goalies who will represent Canada at the Olympics next year going head to head. Do you think that that's in their mind? Probably not. But at the same time, Marc-Andre Fleury's playing against his hometown team. So that's pretty cool in itself. I think that there's plenty to like off the ice. And this Habs team, say what you want about them, but they're peaking at the right time. And Cole Caulfield's getting more and more comfortable. Nick Suzuki as well. Like Those next generation type players are the ones going to be leading the charge here. Yes, they're still going to need contributions from Brendan Gallagher and their decor, which is going to be tested tonight. No Jeff Petrie again. So they already only really use 4D, and now it's going to be down to three. And I don't know if they're three guys who I'd have on my uh, decor if I was building a team, but they are important, especially in this series, to be big and burly because that's how Vegas wears you down. They chip and chase, and they'll hit you at every single turn. Just look at their fourth line with Nicola Waugh and Colasar and Ryan Reeves, but even their, their big boys, pardon the pun, but outside of that misfits line, all, all three of their other lines bring that element of size. And Chandler Stevenson's a physical centerman who can kill penalties with Stone and Pacioretty. And man, I think that it's going to be a complete beatdown. but I've been, I've been wrong about the Habs now two series in a row. So just like I've been right going with the Islanders, the Habs are really going to test me here on the other side of the bracket. Uh, I got I got no worries about the Habs doing anything to this Vegas Golden Knights team, Ross. I just think, yeah, like you said, Montreal is going to be relying on those young guys to keep kind of that lightning in a bottle effect going. Like they've got all the energy, they've got uh, all the skill. But when you go up against a structured team like the Vegas Golden Knights, like I think the the shock and alarm that the Habs are going to feel in game one after being used to playing a, a gazillion games up against North division Canadian teams, where let's be honest, th- things were not as structured and tight as the, even the regular season games down South seem to be. So I just think it's going to be such an adjustment for them and game one, they're really going to get uh, it's going to be brought to them and they're not going to be ready. This series price at bet online was minus 700 <laughs> for the vegas golden knights that in the third round of the playoffs is the most absurd thing i've ever seen i almost put a bit on montreal simply because it's so ridiculous to be plus 400 when you've made it to the third round of the playoffs but i couldn't bring myself to do it because i may as well flush money down the toilet versus betting on the montreal Canadians. But that being said, I think it will be more entertaining for the fan at home watching on TV than the Islanders and Lightning series. And it's going to be interesting to watch tonight and we'll have a full breakdown of the game tomorrow. So your prediction, score prediction to end off today's show. What are you thinking for tonight's game? 5-1 Vegas. 5-1 Vegas. I'm going to go 6-3. So that hits the over. I'm going to go 6-3. So I'll enjoy the over with you and we'll talk about how disrespectful we were to a goalie-friendly show when it's 2-1, just like the Islanders' lightning game was yesterday. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Hit us up on Twitter, at Send Central, with the episode tweet. Reply whether you think Dougie Hamilton would be a good fit with the Ottawa Senators. Thank you for listening. Enjoy your day, guys. Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.